Striking While the Iron's Hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Hello, United family. Welcome to episode two of season two. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me are my co-hosts, Alicia and Adri. Alicia, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about you, Chris? Doing pretty good. Uh, we're uh, here at the Salt Yard uh, for Taco Tuesday, so definitely doing well. And also, Adri, how are you doing tonight? Hi everyone, I'm doing good, Chris and Alicia, and I'm glad to be here another Tuesday. Right on. Well, I thought we'd go ahead and get into tonight's show. Um, so we just finished uh, a weekend where we had all kinds of festivities. Uh, of course, we were supposed to have the Colorado Springs switchbacks uh, friendly with New Mexico United, but of course, the switchbacks were snowed in. So. Uh, the club fought fast, and they created this black and yellow inner squad friendly with Team Somos and Team Unidos. Um, just off the bat, uh, what was your guys' initial thought when Colorado Springs was canceled and they had in place this inner squad friendly? At first, I actually didn't have an, uh, no idea about it, and I got onto social media and I saw there's a change of plans, and I was like, what? And I was reading, and I'm like, oh, it's an intro squad friendly, and I kind of didn't know how to feel about that because I wanted us to play another team. It was still nice to see everybody out there and see the new players and how they work with others. But it still would have been nice to see us play against an actual team. I have to agree. I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to see, you know, another USL team out there. But, you know, the situation is very understandable. So um, I was kind of impressed how fast they pulled it, how fast they pulled the two teams together and how fast... You know, they made it seem like it's okay, we're still having a game, and everybody was still pumped about it. Everybody was still, you know, you know, very, very energetic and cheering. So I think, bottom line, we were going there to cheer for our team uh, either way, but at the same time, you know, pay, playing against Colorado would have been nice. Um, but at the same time, it was nice to see everyone play all at the same time. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with you. It was nice to be able to see all the players on the pitch at the same time just because of the fact that we could see what they all look like. I think you could, you wouldn't have to anticipate, okay, well, when this player comes on, what's that going to be like? Now, of course, you know, I will echo the sentiment that it would have been great for us to see Colorado Springs switchbacks uh, against uh, United. Um, however, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the thing we did see and is we saw two phases of United. Uh, we saw Team Somos in the black. Which were like the veterans from last season. Right, so we saw the veterans from last season and, you know, for the most part, you know, as we 
Because we kind of kind of get into this this match a little bit. If I could throw one word out there that I thought Team Somos uh, displayed, it was resilience. Mm -hmm. um, what would be your your guys' one word if you could throw out there for Team Somos? Oh man, I, I don't know. They they did really well out there, and maybe two words like that chem that great chemistry they had from last season and just carried on, and you can tell it got a little bit better. Great chemistry, I like it. Mine will be experience. You can tell. You can tell. You know the guys have that have been playing together. Um, they blended well. They understand each other. And then we were kind of expecting to see. Um, well, the new ones. I I thought they were kind of you know going to back down a little, but they didn't hold back. They went all for it. Yes. Yeah, so moving over to Team Unidos in the yellow. Um, so. If you had one or two words for for that team, uh, I'm gonna leave it. I'd say my one or two words would be uh, scrappy, too scrappy. Uh, what would be your guys's words for Team Unidos? Um, I would say amazing. I love the way they played. They're the team that caught my eye the most. They had more possession of the ball and they were up there more even though Team Somos did have more shots on target it seemed to me that Unidos uh, was working their way up more than Team Somos. Energy. Okay. These guys, like I said, they didn't hold back. Right on. Yeah, I would definitely say that there's probably a good hodgepodge of all, all three of our words out there. Um, now, if I could back up to before uh, this match, uh, did either of you make it out to the Curse Tailgate? No, I didn't, sadly. Oh, that's right, you were in school, huh? Yes, I was in class. Oh. <laughs> I got there probably a little bit before the game started. Okay. Um, I saw a lot of the cheering and, you know, um, just that, you know, energy out there, just uh, coming in. Um, it, it just seemed like everyone was just happy to be back and you know they carried on from last season to this season so it was pretty pretty nice to see them so i got there earlier so it's kind of a first i'm one of one from tailgates so far this year <laughs> uh i was able to get there early and of course you know they had the breakfast burritos going on rj montano vice president of the curse was uh there stirring the green chili shout out to rj that was great uh, then Carlos Tenorio was there, a sombrero man's dad, yeah. and he was uh, cooking up all the bacon, so definitely got to give him a shout out too. Um, they had a, a full full spread. They had red and green chili, they had bacon, they had cheese, they had tortillas. Oh man, I'm so glad we're sitting at a spot. Uh, I might have to get into these fish tacos here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> but they had the full spread. They also had uh, coffee, they had Bisco Cheetos, they had donuts as well as uh it was this uh this stout it was called i want to say it was called uh zombies in a manger i could be wrong but it was like a bisco cheeto stout and uh david carl the president of the curse you know that's his one of his favorite stouts there at uh, star brothers and uh it did not disappoint i i drank about half a cup and i was kind of thinking that maybe i regretted drinking that first half but uh it was good i, I, I definitely <laughs> loved it um but what i liked about the tailgate was just the camaraderie there uh the fact that you could come in 
be a brand new element to a regular scenario and no one was going to let you really stand there alone or you know you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be idle for very long before someone walked up to you and introduced themselves so you know definitely the cursed tailgate was fun uh, we look we, we look forward to SC Constrict uh, engaging you know everyone there uh, more in, in the coming months and really just uh, just kind of integrating it into what we're doing with We Are Seeking Strike podcast. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit of the latest news surrounding uh, New Mexico United, the club. So it was recently announced uh, that ESPN would be extending their partnership with United uh, through 2021. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, ladies, what you thought about that deal I mean, what maybe the value would be of that partnership for you so i really think that it expands uh the meaning it it gets our team out there um i really think that they get more people involved i think it's going to be very positive you know it's networking so uh, United is just getting bigger and bigger. It's getting out there, and so it's really good to see more um, and more people and media getting involved. Yeah, you know, it's definitely great to see that United is coming, becoming more of a bigger name to represent out there. Now it's getting known over there. It's being represented in Mexico and other countries of the world. Like we have listeners from the UK, and it's amazing to see that with the ESPN partnership, it's just going to get the word around more and possibly we could get players that we haven't heard from and they could submit their stuff and, you know, bringing in new talent can uh, bring new chemistry to the team and more ideas and plays. Right, I definitely have to to agree with you on that one. Um, I I had sent an email to Joe O'Neill, the president of ESPN, to really find out more or less uh, how the partnership uh, affects uh, the, the greater state of New Mexico as far as, you know, how far will they uh, extend the broadcast and ultimately, you know, what what do these dollars pay for? Um, you know, like, if initially they got into a, a, a agreement with each other somewhere into the midst of the early season and they did 15 matches... You know, and the club, you know, we know the club is really big about wanting to have soccer for everyone and really, you know, making this a New Mexico team and not just Albuquerque where the team sits. So how will they ultimately, (laughs) how will they ultimately expand the coverage over this season and next season? Um, How much will they reach this season? How much will they reach next season? And then in addition to that, uh, they're bringing more familiar uh, content to fans. I mean, they announced that they were uh, having United Weekly again, which was the show that would air on Saturday mornings from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And this year, uh, David Carl and R.J. Montano again, president and vice president of The Curse, also the the co-host of... Uh, BGN's Curse Cast, which uh, shout out to Curse Cast, uh, but the fact that they will be sitting there on United Weekly 
and doing kind of a recap of previous games as well as um, previews for matches coming up, going into a little bit of the analysis, you know, maybe even having callers as well. But how cool is that uh, for ESPN to recognize staples within our soccer community and basically look to create something that the fans will really get into? It's very cool, and I really like the fact that we're just getting known out there. It's be, uh, our name's becoming bigger, and the fact that wherever you go, you're wearing something like, oh, hey, is that New Mexico United, and da-da-da-da-da. But, I mean, yeah, I just think it's nice. Even, like, family who doesn't like soccer, they'll see me wearing my stuff, and they know who that team is. And uh, the other cool thing about it is... Um, so the other cool thing I think is that it's going to reach out to people that can attend the games because, like you said, it's just in Albuquerque and there's a lot of people all around the state who want to make it to the games, but because of, you know, distance, they can't be here. So, you know, it'll reach out to them and so it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be growing. Well, and I, have, I have this next little... Uh piece of, of wordage here, but you, you were probably wondering what that was. Uh, I'm calling it a $1 Ortegas, and, and that really is just a shout out to uh, both JJ Buck and uh, Tyler Ortega. They got to do the YouTube uh, call of the game, uh, which was incredible. Um, you know, you love to hear uh, your friends and colleagues get to call a game. I know for Tyler, it's like a really big deal to him to be yeah. able to call uh, New Mexico United and JJ also just has that style essence. So, uh, you know, any time that those two are together, they're going to be known as one dollar Ortegas since uh, TJ Maxx is uh, taken. So, uh, yeah. So moving on, uh, that ESPN has another show called Fever Pitch, and this is with Adam Deal and uh, Andy Hageman. And so this is basically your weekly show. Um, from what I understand of it, there's a little bit of recap. There's some plays of the game. Uh, there's probably bloopers filled in there. Andy Hageman is the gentleman with the English voice. Uh, so if you were listening to some of the broadcasts the last season, uh, Andy Hageman has that amazing like English accent. It just goes off. And, uh, and I can't wait to see that show uh, kind of take place. But to me, that's the thing that came with this year's extensive partnership is shows with familiar voices a little bit more content you know for you know for the fan and of course you know we're right in the midst of it you know doing we are seeking strike podcast bringing uh weekly and uh weekly weekly recaps previews getting into you know some analysis i'm sure there's going to be some banter because right now we all got our our we all got our good behavior hats on we're all trying to keep it chill but you know in the season there's that yeah you know there's there's something that's going to come out. So, um, so jumping out of the latest news, I wanted to kind of have us touch back on latest signings. And that's something we're trying to do from podcast to podcast is really kind of talk about the latest signings uh, that have joined the club and also just kind of keep you, the listener, uh, just on the same page with us as far as the things that are happening. So latest signing uh, was... Andrew Tanari. Okay, Andrew Tanari, uh, he came from uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies last season. 
Uh, he had 21 appearances and five goals. Previously, he was with New York Red Bulls too. Okay, uh, he was with them from 17, 2017 to 2018. He had 56 appearances and nine goals. Um, it, it's noted that he was also able to play right back. He comes in as a midfielder, but he's able to play right back. Something I, I wanted to show you, ladies. Uh, you might actually think this is very interesting, but uh, so when I first saw Andrew Sonari's picture, uh, he kind of reminded me of this famous French actor. Uh, have you are you familiar with uh, Ocean's Twelve or Ocean's Thirteen? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. All right. So, who do you think Andrew Tanari looks like? If you had to guess, I don't remember the cast. Let me I just don't look either. it up right away. All right. So here I got the picture up of Andrew Tanari. Who does this guy remind you of? Just off the bat, if you thought about Ocean's Twelve. I can't think of the top of my head. All right, so I'm going to help you out, right? So, you know, as New Mexico United is really good with those yellow silhouettes, I won't put a yellow silhouette on it, but I will go ahead and frame the character for you. Mm, you think of... Yes, Andrew Tanari <laughs> looks like Mr. Vincent Castle. Castle? Vincent Castle, yeah. He was the... Uh, he was also the... Uh, the... <laughs> He was the character that he has the famous scene in Ocean's 12 where he does the laser dance. Uh -huh. Where he comes in, he puts on his salsa or merengue music, and he does the capoeira as he gets through all the lasers and manages to get the jewels. <laughs> and at the very end of the movie, uh, Danny Ocean's asking him, how did you get through the laser dance? Because they, they felt like that was really hard, and then he just kind of unveiled that he put on his tunes and, and got down. So I, I wonder if Mr. Tanari's got the same sort of footwork uh, when it comes to being on the midfield. Well, we hope so. You have better um, better memory than I do. But um, I do know that Andrew's birthday is the same day as me, so shout out to Andrew. Man, and that, that means his birthday is going to be when we're in El Paso. That's September 12th. So oh, that's the first thing I looked at. I said, oh, hey, Andrew. Our birthday's the same day. Hey, so if you're listening and you get together with the curse to do TIFOs, then to me, a, a giant birthday card for Tanari on 9-12 in El Paso is fitting. So, kind of going from there, I also wanted to highlight a couple of the trialists that had appeared uh, in the Friendly the other day. We had Connor Rutz, and we also had uh, Pablo... Uh, uh, Pablo Palez. There we go. There it is. I love it. Uh, so Connor Rutz came to us from Saginaw Valley State in Michigan, and he is listed as a midfielder on the internet, but he played in a uh, left back. Center back. Right, center yeah. back position. Yeah. Right. And so he was back there, obviously, next to Rashid Tete yes. on Team Unidos uh, as a trialist. Now, in kind of doing a little bit of digging on Connor Roots. Uh, again, he also played for the Cincinnati Dutch Lions of USL2. And so we also had a recent signing, uh, Sammy Sur Surgi, that played as well on the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. So uh, Connor and, and Sammy were teammates. Uh, something else that was actually very interesting when I had asked Troy after that match, I said, uh, where did you uh, 
get Connor Rutz from? Was he a direct referral from Salmon? You know, and he actually had alluded to the fact that he knew the coach of the team for Cincinnati, and that you know he was just a really good person, and he really could confide in this uh, gent's choices. Uh, so he said there was a player he needed to check out. So he's like, "All right, Connor, come on out to New Mexico." Um, I do know that uh, Connor Rutz. Uh, did not make the cut, so he will be ultimately still looking for his fit. Uh, but, you know, apparently he enjoyed his time out in New Mexico. Uh, and then, of course, then there was Pablo. Pablo Palace. Right? Yes. Now, and, uh, now, he comes to us from San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played there for uh, the Aztecs. And so he ultimately also was a midfielder and he played for San Diego Surf, uh, San Diego Surf Soccer Club. Uh, along with him, he was a men's national team U8, or U18. Uh, so he's a former U18 member. Uh, and it's been said that he is very quick in and out of defenses. Um, so now with Pablo, apparently Pablo also did not uh, make the team so and i really liked the way he played there in the midfields and i honestly thought he was gonna make the cut since he did have that movement and how quickly he transitioned from the speed going up and down the the midfield and controlling it really well i really liked how he played he reminded me of a lot of how uh, guzman plays right so i mean it's interesting to look at Two trialists. Now they did. They mentioned three trialists, but we only saw two. I don't know who the third one is, but they mentioned two. And so, if you look at what this means for the roster, this is potentially a center back who is playing on the left side, uh, who would have played behind Kalen Radden based on the way the, the the pitch was lined up, and then also a midfielder uh, who would have played uh, more in the mid. Uh, so that means that ultimately, when it comes to midfielders, we're still just looking at the new pickups of Tanari, and then as far as the, the back line, we're still just looking at the new pickups of David Najem, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, and of course, Kalen Ratton. So that kind of brought me to an interesting uh, moment, to, and, I, and I guess we kind of get it here in the roster breakdown, so I thought we would uh, just kind of cover different personnel for the next three podcasts uh, as we continue our preseason primer. So we're getting into the defenders. So each person, each, each of us kind of took a couple of players and really just kind of looked at some of the things that we know about the players and ultimately just kind of sharing some, some tidbits and we kind of generate some conversation off of it. Uh, so uh, Alicia, you had uh, Manny Padilla and David Najem. What, what do you have for us for those two players? Well, Manny Padilla and David Najem, they do play the same position, so there's going to be a bit of competition there throughout the season of who's going to get to start in most of the games. And with um, Manny, he had uh, 28 matches, 7 assists uh, with New Mexico United. And he was he's more of an attacking defender than Najem is. But with the RGV Toros, he had uh, 19 matches and he didn't have any assists. And he did play for Houston uh, Dynamo. He was on the loan for them. 
But what I'm most excited to see about this season is you can see that um, Manny, his footwork, uh, it's getting better and he's very quick on that on that right back side. So the way that he was working with his um, with his wing with Bruce and crossing and stuff, he did really, really, really well. But with David Majem, I really liked how he played. He was one of the players from Team Unidos who stood out to me. And he's more of a, like a technical right back. He really watches the game and see what he needs to do. When the ball is coming to him, he already knows what to do with the ball when it's at his feet. And you can tell of with that connection, he has a strong connection with Amando Moreno, and they play really well on that on that right side. And when um, Dinari got in there, I once again a very strong connection between um, Najem Moreno and Tenari. I I really can't wait to see David Najem play. It's gonna be really tough to see who gets to start in this upcoming season. That's interesting. Um, I definitely do agree with you. I know that Peter has said countless times that you know they really did care about having competition uh, in all the positions. Uh, so you know we know that that Manny is definitely touting that he's going to have a a Mamba year. We definitely hope he does. Uh, we also hope that you know that Najem and Manny that 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 the competition is just just so great that ultimately. The minutes are split. That we're getting the best of both worlds with each player. Uh, something that was interesting, if you looked at the formation uh, on Saturday, is it, it was kind of looking like a three-four-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sanajem was playing up in the midfield uh, for the most part, um, and I, and I kind of thought like, okay, wow, okay, this is different. Like, I had to look at it twice because I was like, okay, hopefully. This isn't just someone like Lucas from the front office just <laughs> making some funny like formation that really isn't a formation, but uh, they pretty much were in a like a three four three formation through through this match. Um, so uh, next up we have Adri talking to us about Rashid Tete, Kalen Ryden, and Justin Schmidt. What do you got for us? Well. Um Doing a little bit of research on this guys, um, and from what we've seen on the previous season, 2019, uh, Justin and Rashid played a, about the same amount of games with New Mexico United on the 2019 season. And honestly, they both did a fantastic job. Uh, Tete taking the opportunity uh, when Sam Hamilton got injured, and that was back in 2019 last season, where he took the opportunity and made it his. So becoming to a a great level at the end of the season. So he ended up staying throughout. And it was amazing to see Tete's grow and they both played, they had 30 appearances each. And uh, honestly, Tete got to that level. And Justin, I mean, you can see his experience. He's, he's great. It's, it's, it's a wall. Having both of them back there was a wall. It, helped, it really helped the, the defense. But uh, looking at Kalen now, it's a big competition. And uh, talking to Tete not too long ago, he was saying this guy's work. This new guys work very, very hard, and it's going to be a very nice competition back there. 
and uh, all I have to say is they have to earn, you know, the spot. Like we asked Troy in the previous press conference, and he said, you know, it might be a rotation. Maybe they have to earn their spot. But looking at Kalen's uh, stats, I mean, in 2019 he played a double what this guy's played. So he had 62 appearances with the. Uh, real monarchs so we're looking at a very experienced guy and uh, like I said is hopefully this brings a lot more strength and uh, you know they it's gonna be really hard to to pass that defense line and uh, hopefully you know we get to see all three but again who are you gonna pick you know and I guess at this point all of these guys are gonna have to like Troy say either rotate or earn a spot but it's going to be great to see them. Hey, did you guys see that part of the, the match where Kalen Ryden has the ball and he just takes it like from like north to south and goes straight up the pitch to the other side? Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah, that was great to see. And um, going off of what Audrey was saying, I believe that the best chemistry back there for the center backs, it's going to be Rashid and Kalen. I love Schmidt and all, but it's... We need that chemistry back there, especially from last season. We really needed to work on our defense. You know and what's interesting about that, though, is that you know, I thought I thought for sure that I would just see Tete and Ryden. But what was interesting was that we saw Justin Schmidt on the right side, mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, okay, he's willing to do what he needs to do to get some minutes, mm -hmm. right? Because these these guys are grown men; they're professionals, you know, right. and you know, as great as it is to have a player like Ryden on the team, I'm sure if you're also playing the same position, you got to do what you got to do to get minutes. So yeah. Schmidt's sitting there on the right side as a lefty, mm -hmm. mind you, you know, trying to, you know, pass the ball around. And I, I'm wondering, really, I'm hoping to, that we'll get to sit down with, with Justin here in the, in the coming months, but I'm really wanting to know what it's like to be playing the right back as a left lefty, you know, and... Is it something that is easy for him, you know, or is he seeing challenges, but he doesn't, that's pretty much all he can do is just try to step up and play something different to get minutes as well. But maybe again, just because of um, under the circumstances of playing each other, maybe he didn't have, you know, an option, so he did it, but maybe on a real game. Maybe they might put him on his real position on the left. And then also, what caught my attention is that they had Rashid Tate playing on the opposite team, and he he did great. Like he was he was a leader of that center back, and I really liked that knowing that he didn't have Schmidt like they normally play. But again, he took ownership of that position and he distributed the ball and he was telling people you know how to move where to go and so he was you know he was he stood up yeah you know definitely one of the questions i asked troy was really because when you when you research troy a lot and you kind of look at some of the things he does troy is really big about you know reaching into his past you know he definitely talks a lot about when he was with charlotte independence uh you know and so one thing that i know about charlotte independence is that they played in a 3-4-3. And this this formation, the graphic was a 3-4-3. Most commonly, New Mexico comes out in a 4-2-3-1. We often see the graphic. It looks like a 4-4-2 most of the time uh, with a staggered uh, forwards on the top. Um, but, you know, they were clearly in a 3-4-3. And all I could think was, 
if it doesn't work out, well, two things. Obviously, they're trying to see who's going to be the left and right uh, center back. Okay, that's all. That's apparent because he's still going to want to play a four-two-three-one at times. Yeah. Okay, but there's going to be certain teams that they're going to have to be able to play into a three-four-three or maybe a three-five-two. So you know, is it? It's possible that we could see all three center backs uh, back there, and I think that that's definitely a strength. I would see Kalen Ryder definitely in the middle. Yes. Um, you know, for the sake that Kalen could just take the ball from north to south and, and just basically have Schmidt and Tete in the back and then shift the formation. Um, we asked Troy after the inner squad friendly if there was a possibility of uh, a three back. And he definitely did say that it was a possibility, you know, having three solid center backs to do something of a nature. So, I mean, that definitely tells us that we should look out for that in the season. Um, and I think the graphic from Saturday kind of affirms that as well. So then I've got Josh Suggs and Austin Yearwood uh, both play a left back position. And Josh Suggs, born in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, again, he plays left back for United. He appeared in 26 matches and he scored one time. Uh, he was a part of the uh, inaugural squad, obviously. But before United, he played three seasons with the Colorado Switchbacks, uh, where he appeared 92 times and scored six goals. Again, a lefty, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Josh Suggs, aside from the pitch, if, you would, if you're following his Instagram, he's a big, avid hunter. Yes. Just about every picture is Josh Suggs somehow hiding in camouflage. You know, and, and I like to imagine that, that Josh Suggs would be uh, uh, our seek and strike spokesmodel because he is hiding in the in the trees with all this camouflage he's got his binoculars just perked you know to me he's a striker right and that's that's what i see we see him on the pitch we see an attacking left back you know he's got the ball for the most part he's, he's clearing it but there are times when he just takes off up that left flank and you know and tries to even create an offensive chance himself uh how great of a threat do you think that is for us to have not only Kalen Ryden, who can take it straight up the middle, but now uh, Josh Suggs going up the left wing. I really like how Suggs plays that left back position. And if you really watch the game and analyze Suggs, I did that for about maybe 10 minutes of the whole match. And most of the time he was wide open in that left back position and nobody saw him. Nobody gave him the ball and he kept calling for it and calling for it and calling for it. Nobody, nobody would give it to him. And if he would have gotten that ball, he was right open just to take it up, either cross it in or just dribble it in. And with that talent back there, you really need to look out with who's open and who's not. Right. I definitely do like the fact that we've got two backs that can take it up the pitch. that have got like tremendous speed. And we've got two that played last season in the back and kind of kept the, the line towed as well. So that definitely helps out. Uh, then also we've got Austin Yearwood. Austin Yearwood, very soft-spoken guy would seem, but Austin Yearwood is he's very much forthright. You know, if he sees you sitting by yourself, um, he'll come and talk to you. A small story that I have is uh, at the beginning of the season, they had a season ticket holder event, and I was we were going to go bowling uh, with the New Mexico United players. And it's kind of nerve-wracking. You're going to have a pro soccer player on your lane with you. Now, I got my own game, you know, when it comes to bowling. So 
you know, I definitely uh, brought mine, but uh, Austin, you're where they came up and he just started talking to me and, you know, and he was very personable and, you know, you really got to kind of see the player before you really got to see him play. You got to see him, you know, just as just a person talk to you and whatnot. And so I definitely always had uh, kind of a, a connection with him. Um, so in carrying out that story, I, I had Josh Suggs on my lane as a captain of our our bowling squad, and so Josh is, you know, being a, he's a lefty, he's like, man, I'm not really sure how this bowling thing is going to go with me being a lefty, you know, but at halfway through the game, Suggs is like throwing uh, left hooks, you know, he's he's getting all fancy with it, you know, next to us, of course, is Juan Pablo Guzman, who's like on the next lane, Cody Mizell's over there as well, and then Austin Yearwood's like just looking onward, like just basically like, you know, I got next, so... You know, the match finishes, you know, I, I come out on top, Suggs is like second or third place, I believe. And then Austin Yearwood is, I'm like, hey, all right, you gotta beat our score. So Austin Yearwood gets up, basically beats our score. He beats us by eight. But, uh, so he, he's got that game. I saw him recently, I said, hey, how's your bowling game? Austin said, it's always there, it's ready, let me know. Hey, I'm taking bowling class, so if you wanna have a little competition, I wouldn't mind that. All right, you hear that? So Austin, you find, you find two of your friends, I got two of mine. Then we can we can settle this one on the lanes. Um, but Austin Yearwood is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he plays left back as well for United. Uh, he did play some right back last season as needed. He appeared in 17 matches last year. Um, he played for USL League One Richmond Kickers in 2018. And prior to that, he played under Troy uh, Lassane with Charlotte Independence, uh, both in the. 2016 and 17 seasons. Uh, he did play with the High Point Panthers, and I know that uh, Rashid Tete also played with High Point as well. Um, so there's that common link there. Um, they were partners. They were partners, right? Yes. So, and they still are. And they still are, <laughs> right? And so, so, so to me, having someone like Austin who can play both left and right uh, seems very beneficial. I know that you know that with. I know that, that I have spoken to, to Suggs on time and I've asked him like, you know, hey, how, what is it like, you know, for a, a lefty to play on a right position? And he said that, you know, it just really depends more or less um, on the player. He said for himself, he really didn't uh, get a chance uh, to play a position like that. But he says, you know, like, if you got like a left-footed right back, it might be difficult because the majority of, of your attack is based on crossing the ball. Um, but he says someone like Austin has played there a bit last year on the right side, and he did well because like a bit, he was a bit more defensive-minded than he was. So obviously, you know, if you're you're able to play left on the right, you know, it's going to obviously vary between whether or not you're on the attack or whether you're you know just holding the defense. Uh, but so that's kind of a look at our defenders uh, for this this year's squad so far. I mean, we don't know obviously who else the team is going to sign, uh, but we're obviously ready to see what else they pick up. So then, jumping into our goalkeepers segment as well, uh, each of us took one of the goalkeepers. Uh, let's see here, Alicia. You had Cody Mizell. Uh, what, what can you tell us about El Naranjo 
So Cody Mizell had 34 appearances with us this last year and I couldn't get the amount of saves he did but with the Tampa Bay Rowdies he did have in the 2018 he was only in 15 matches but he did play for the Colorado Rapids and he was on a loan for that and uh, let me see if I could pull up how many saves he had so while she's doing that I will comment that uh, Cody was recently uh, on a trial uh, with uh, NYCFC in which he was on the traveling roster uh, for the Florida Cup and he had played uh, the second half and ultimately did a bang-up job and I know that we kind of touched on that in our first pod uh, but you know obviously this is a chance just to kind of brag on on Mizell uh, and, and then recently you know I, I saw him over at the uh, the locker room facility for media hour and I saw the craziest thing you know now last year you know, every time I went over to the locker room facility, they got all the healthy food. They got the bagels. They got the they got the uh, avocados, the the smoothies going on. But I saw something interesting this time. I saw potato chips. Uh oh. And I saw Mizell <laughs> just reaching for those chips like he was about to, you know, try to make a save. And I said, man, like you have tainted my experience of coming to this locker room facility. I have seen junk food <laughs> up in here, um, you know, and. Uh, and it was just funny. I had to, to joke with the guy. But, you know, he is a new father, and I am sure that he's got his own late-night cravings, you know, when he can't get no rest. Well, he so, did stay. He was able to, to <laughs> He was able to sleep. So that baby is really good, he said. Right on. Um, I couldn't find anything on how many saves he's done, but looking at the stats that he has, they're, they're amazing. The way he did with uh, NYF. FC and YCFC he did really really well if you watch the little bit of the highlights that were posted in the New Mexico uh, nation group he, man you can tell that he's just getting better by the more experience that he's getting and with him being out there on Saturday it was like it was just great to see it really felt like um, coming back home and them coming around again so I did happen to pull up the saves for you so Cody Mizell had 82 saves. Uh, his save percentage was at just about 60% uh, through the season. Uh, his goals allowed was at 55, and his uh, goals allowed uh, per per match, if you will, uh, was 1.67. So. You know, not bad. He's not giving up, you know, two, three goals. I mean, I know there was a point when the team was allowing him just as many goals to score, but obviously, you know, they changed up a little bit of that of that tempo as the season went. Yeah, and then playing goalkeeper is a very difficult position. I believe it's one of the hardest positions out there. I played goalkeeper myself, and it's really hard for the for the game not to get in your head when you uh, concede a goal. It, it's really hard, so I, I really applaud him for that, for not letting his mentality get down whenever he gets scored on. And then, Adri, you had uh, Ben Beery. What do you got for us? 
Well, um, been 5'10", so the shortest of all, but yet we got to see some of uh, one performance in 2019 um, where it was September 28th actually and it was a 2-2 draw against Phoenix Rising. So he got to play the, one of the hardest matches, I guess, of the season, and I think he pulled it off. He pulled it off fine. Uh, obviously, uh, the team also helped because they play uh, a really good game. So um, Ben is, uh, we hope to see more of him, uh, hopefully. He did good on this uh, Saturday's match. I think that uh, he got to feel some penalty kicks there. and. Uh, I think he put his heart into it. Um, I want to see more of him, but honestly, with uh, Philip, right? That's our new guy. Um, Philip has the height, and he's a strong man. So it's going to be quite a competition back there as well. Yeah. So just to kind of tell the rear. So I have uh, Philippe Bible, uh, who is the the newest goalkeeper for New Mexico United. Uh, he last played for TSV Landsberg. Uh, he's, he comes in at a, at six foot two inches tall. Uh, again, as Adri said, he's got a massive frame. He's got crazy liftoff, cat-like reactions. Uh, we definitely saw that uh, that just because he is a tall, massive guy, that that he is not slow by any means. I think that when it comes to other teams. Uh, challenging him that they're going to be looking to put it in, in low small corners because uh, you know his his height is going to make it very impossible uh, for them to find any top shelf goals on him um, looking at the fact uh, how he played on Saturday um, you know he came in ultimately for Mizell Barry played a full 90 so I mean if, as a fan, you've got to be pretty excited for Beery playing a full 90. Um, there were several times when I saw a new goalkeeper coach, uh, Peter Davis, out there with his tactical camera behind Ben Beery, just kind of giving him uh, lessons and, and showing him different strategies. So definitely looks like he is locked on to Beery as far as developing him. Uh, Beigel definitely, you know, I'm really excited to see him play. I feel like it's going to be Dawes Boots. Like, you know, like everyone's going to have to come up with this really cool nickname for uh, for Philip uh, when he comes in because uh, I think he's he's definitely like your, uh, your massive goalkeeper. So it's going to be cool. The fact that we have three, um, I'm assuming that, that Cody isn't leaving anytime soon, um, though it is great that he got some looks uh, with Major League Soccer Team. NYC FC. Um, so then, in moving on a little bit, uh, I wanted to kind of just tease the crop a little bit when it came to Open Cup. Uh, this is a topic that uh, I know Alicia was was interested in, kind of chatting about a little bit. Uh, so I thought we would kind of go into it a little bit from a fan perspective. Uh, we're not going to get too into it because we have a special. Uh, we have special coverage for the Open Cup uh, in the uh, in the next month, and, and so those will be some bonus episodes to this podcast. Uh, so, uh, looking at the 2019 U.S. Open Cup from a fan perspective, uh, I'd like to get uh, each of your uh, 
each of your vantage points about the Open Cup? Did you go to any of the matches? Uh, just kind of what was your overall impression of 2019 with the Open Cup? Uh, that was where our team really impressed me when we beat the Colorado, the Colorado Rapids in uh, the penalty shootout and um, beating FC Dallas in just the 90 minutes. We didn't even need to go to overtime with them. And uh, I really liked um, Kev's equalizer at the end of the Colorado Rapids match. I really thought we were done. And you know we had a great run in this and that, but when he just... Uh, let that ball go oh my god I just remember um, getting out of my chair and screaming and nothing but happiness because I mean we still had a chance at winning this and with FC Dallas it was a pretty tough game considering and looking at their stats against OKC they did uh, very well against OKC and OKC had a really good team so I was kind of scared of that that was going to be our end point and going to Minnesota United, it was something surreal to see the guys playing at um, Allianz Field. And that plane too that we ended up getting, I did not see that coming. And the fact that it sold out in, what was it, half an hour? It was really, really crazy. And maybe this year we'll um, see a little bit farther than what we did with Minnesota United. Get a little bit of uh, redemption this season. Well, we definitely got far uh, for being the new team, for being the first time going to Open Cup. I think we were all impressed and excited on how far this guy's got. And playing simultaneously with the other, the other tournament and having games back to back, I think the guys pulled it off really good. I think that we have a big opportunity. They come with newer players, more experience, new players, more experience, and also they've already experienced it from last year, so they know what what to expect. What to expect. So I really think that these guys are going to push further. They have uh, the talent and they have the experience now. Yeah. So uh, Open Cup 2019. You know, I could say initially we didn't know what to expect. You know, it was this other tournament, you know, and I'm like, if I, if, if I could be honest, I, I did not know that we would advance past the first round until I realized that we were going to be playing Phoenix. I was like, okay, it's Phoenix. Like, we got we got to get this, you know. And knowing, you know, no disrespect to Phoenix, knowing the fact that obviously they made a run last year, you know, that this was going to be – a big challenge, you know. I remember sitting here uh, in the salt yard watching this match. I remember watching this match go to extra time and going to the penalty kicks. And I remember once uh, we had pulled away the victory. I mean, it was just so amazing. And you know, to know that we had we had beat Phoenix in that tournament for one was huge. But also to know that we were advancing and we would have an opportunity potentially to go further in the tournament, eventually get to a major league team was huge. Um, when we played Colorado Spring Switchbacks, it just didn't seem right. It just didn't, it just seemed unfair because you know we had already played them, you know. So the fact that we were going to be playing them again in Colorado, it was like it was if you remember. They had already had quite 
the road trip in the beginning of the season. So it just seemed like, here we go, right back to Colorado. So, um, you know, for the fact that the boys could pull off off the win there uh, to a, a next to nearly empty stadium, um, you know, we were finally on our way. So when they got to play the major league teams, it was definitely cool to think about the fact that your team is playing major league teams. Um, I know that on, on Twitter, most people, most of the other teams, they try to denigrate the experience because, you know, these major league teams didn't play maybe their marquee starters. But as we talked about it last year, hey, you're pro. So if you decide to play your guys that aren't getting any minutes, that's your decision. Uh, you know, and, you know, and to kind of hint a little bit towards 2020 with the rules, but again, we will we'll talk more about that in, in the next month, is that they got the lower-ranked Major League Soccer teams coming in around early, and then the high-ranked teams coming in the next round. So uh, be it that it's a lower-ranked Major League Soccer team, it's still Major League Soccer, and we're USL, so we're going to take every win we can get. Um, and I hope that they go far this year, personally. Um, and to our disadvantage, we always have to travel for Open Cups. So we're on the road, and they get to play at home. So that's also a disadvantage for us. It's no one's fault. We don't have the stadium to bring you know, MLS teams and whatnot. But yeah, we are on the road. So I guess taking that in consideration, I think we did really good and got really far. I just hope that the Open Cup doesn't drain us out like we did last season as we saw when we took that loss against uh, Las Vegas Lights. What was it, 5-1? It was literally right after an Open Cup match. I just hope that doesn't happen again because it really hurt our chances of being at the top of the table and possibly getting uh, a bye. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think this year what we can, we can count on and it looks like what they're trying to do with roster is they're trying to have... Uh, you know, 22, 23 uh, men that ultimately can step up and play at any given time. You know, this could potentially give us a first and second team mm -hmm. at times. Uh, this could give us, you know, fresh legs for Open Cup, you know, with experience, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, still being able to maintain in, uh, in championship. And that, that's just something we didn't have last year. Last we didn't year. have, you know, with our reserves, we didn't have players that could step up mm -hmm. and, and deliver. So, it, 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 unfortunately, it caused, um, you know, Troy and, and personnel to have to use primary players more than they needed to and yes. get less rest. And so there was a sacrifice. But again, Troy was trying to get as far as he could in the Open Cup to make a statement. I think he did. And I think this year, you know, anything less than the round of eight would be disappointing to us because yep. we got there once. The very can, first time. Yeah, and we can do it again, easily. That's right. Okay, so then definitely keep it tuned. We'll have uh, more Open Cup coverage uh, in the next month, and we'll kind of tease that a little bit more in the next couple episodes. Uh, so this is the part where we want to get into continuing our 2019 team recaps. Uh, Alicia's got FC Tulsa. So what can you tell us about FC Tulsa from 2019? So, FC Tulsa kind of had a rebranded this season. They were previously the Tulsa Roughnecks with a different logo. 
now they're known as FC Tulsa and if you look at their logo it kind of gives me that Minnesota United uh, vibe to it because of the uh, the bird and how the logo is and um, with this last season they took eight wins ten hold on eight wins ten draws and 16 losses and one of those losses was to us which was our first uh, one game of the season was here at home I believe that was the hat trick by Devin I can't remember I'm, draw I'm drawing a blank but we'll we'll certainly correct it if we don't know yes <laughs> and then uh, the second uh, time we played them around was to get onto the table to go to playoffs we did lose to them with that goal the bicycle kick goal that I believe took goal the goal of the year which was nice sadly it was against us but I mean Tulsa Roughnecks ended up uh, or FC Tulsa I'm sorry ended up 16th on the table and with a total of 34 points, the same as the Switchbacks and the Sounders, who were all at the bottom of the table. So there's no reason for us to be losing to FC Tulsa. It's just our mentality got brought down once again from, I believe, was a previous tie or loss against the Sounders. Now, I mean, looking at, uh, looking at FC Tulsa's logo, I don't know if you're like me. When I looked at it, the first thing I thought was LAFC. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like the wing placement and it was gold and it was the first thing I thought was all right You know, this is like this is like an, an LAFC kind of clone um, I've heard other people online say that they thought it, it was like a a church institution <laughs> So it was like rough roughneck sanctuary um, if you will uh, So I mean, you know the rebrand does look pretty cool uh, You know it definitely just hit us one day all of a sudden, there was no more rough, rough riders. Yep. Or roughnecks, right? Yeah, roughnecks. the roughnecks. You know, so it, it was definitely was interesting. And there are other teams this year who definitely just pulled one of those guerrilla uh, transformations the, the next night. They're just a different team or different logos. And, you know, I hope that we never necessarily do anything like that for New Mexico United. Oh, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> we like what we got. You know, if you want to. If you want to do anything, just do the things that we anticipate. You know, go ahead yeah. and add that turquoise in that that, that we're all thinking is coming this year. Yeah. Uh, so then, moving to the next team. So, Adrian had OKC Energy FC. What do you got for us on OKC Energy, Adrian? Well, I do have. Um, they have six years of experience in the USL. Um, they also um, they played 34 games, 9-1, 14 loss. So we see, you know, for being an experienced team, they stay at the lowest uh, part of the table. So um, I believe we the last time we played was back in September of 2019. We defeated OKC by 3-1, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So their biggest loss was 4-0 against FC Dallas and their biggest win was 3-1 March 9th against El Paso so I think uh, just overall um, they don't have a, they don't have a chance <laughs> so okay see energy recently their president came out on the internet I think you, you I don't know if you saw it but mm -hmm. they're really trying to get their fans behind the team 
Um, attendance was a little low, so they're really trying to come out with this campaign that the team belongs to you. You tell us how you want us to run it. Uh, you tell us, you know, you know what you want us to look like. You know how you want us to ultimately create this experience. I think it's a good idea for the president to definitely be attuned to uh, what the what the fans want. Because after all, I mean, you brought this team to the city for the fans. Yep. You know, and at any point when you have your own motive or you go so far outside the realm of what's relative to the soccer community, you definitely have to reel yourself back in. Um, I mean, so to speak to that, I mean, look at New Mexico United, look at what's going on with, you know, Peter Trevisani as far as, you know, how available he is to hear uh, oh, the general public. Right, yeah, how he's, involved he is. He's very for the people, and he goes up to you and says hi to everybody, and he recognizes people like, oh, you're back, how are you doing, and this and that. And I really love how he does involve the community into this team. Yeah, so going back to that OKC Energy match that we played them in OKC, that was a match where Devin, I believe, broke a drought in scoring. Um, I believe he had two goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken, um, with the other goal coming from... Uh, Oh, this this draws a this draws a blank, but I do remember the exchange. It was like Padilla got the ball up high, he oh, passes it to yes. Brucey, yes. and Weehan was coming up the middle, correct? Mm -hmm. And basically, Weehan gets the score. Uh, that was such an amazing goal. You know, we'll have to maybe uh, link the highlight to this podcast episode just to kind of remind everyone of how awesome that was. But it came at a time where. Uh, where fans were wondering what was going on with the formula up top, you know, Freighter, Santi, uh, Devin, we had no one could really score, the chances were being created, and so that was a game that Devin just came through and, and, and revived uh, United. And, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good, go ahead. Okay. Well, with OKC, they do have very talented players. I I don't know if there's if he's still with him. I can't remember his name, but they're Jamaican forward number ninety one. I can't remember his name, but he's very very talented up top. And I watched uh, OKC play against the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the Open Cup, and man, was that a good game to watch! It was back and forth, back and forth, and at the end, uh, the Rowdies, I believe they took the win in the penalty shootout. And that's the first time I also noticed David Najem. He played uh, for the Tampa Bay Rowdies in that uh, game, and he did really, really well there too. So I'm glad he's on our team. Right on. So I was looking at the stats, and you were right. Uh, Sandoval scored two, and Chris Weon scored the third one. Okay. And it was 3-1, and that was 9-9 nine -nine of 19. Service me right, my memory does. Um, so then going into the teams I have, I have Austin Bold and Real Monarchs SLC. So Austin Bold, not to be affiliated with Austin F Austin FC, uh, they play at a Bold Stadium. Okay, they finished eighth place. They went to the quarterfinals. Austin was also an expansion team along with El Paso and as well as us with New Mexico United. Um, they played Phoenix in the quarterfinals. They lost uh, th through PKs. Uh, when Diego Restrepo ultimately just did not uh, have the right, or he misjudged the placement of the ball 
and ultimately that allowed Phoenix to win a penalty, something that they had not done um, throughout the year. Now, some standout players for Austin Bold that are still with the team. Uh, Seth, or sorry, it's not Seth, uh, Sean McFarlane. I think Seth McFarlane when I think of Spawn, but uh, no, Sean McFarlane, um, Andre Lima, Chris Tierpak. Uh, you know, Chris Tierpak is a player that stands out to all of us. He's the guy with the, uh, the headband on, kind of the visor. Mm-hmm. Um, every time he comes into the game, you know, he definitely stirs it up. Uh, we do have to uh, kind of, you know, pay our respects, say RIP to Isaac Promise. Uh, he was one of their players last season who yeah. he died of a heart attack. And it definitely hit the community really hard. Um, Austin Bold, you know, they did play into the fourth round of the Open Cup. Um, as far as New Mexico's record against Austin in 2019, we went 1-0-1. Um, against them, we had one win and one one draw. Um, when we played Austin in Austin, that was uh, the the beginning of El Matador. Yes. That was Santi Moore's uh, unofficial hat trick, uh, where he basically scores on a set piece. He scores uh, on what is considered an own goal, right? Mm-hmm. And and then there was oh, and then there was a lot, the late goal that he had, where he was on a run from Devin. Yes. And he basically goes 1v1 with the goalkeeper, gets him to lean out, and then he just puts it in right behind him, crossbody. Um, that was an amazing uh, game. I watched the highlights for that prior to this podcast just to remember that game. Um, we, had, we had afforded ourselves the set-piece goal because David Estrada had got uh, fouled in the box. And so ultimately that set up uh, the set-piece outside the 18th. Um, so along with Austin, their associated podcast is the uh, Three Birds Boldcast. Now, I did get to be on their podcast last season um, prior to Austin coming out to New Mexico. Um, I do anticipate um, some of us being on their podcast uh, prior to the March 7th uh, op- oh, uh, uh, away, 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 away match, right? The uh, first match of the season. Uh, I'm all tongue-tied because I'm going to that match, but uh, but we will we will definitely collaborate uh, on a podcast with them with the Three Birds Bullcast. Um, so then moving on to Real Monarchs SLC, uh, they play out of Zion's Bank Stadium in Utah. They are a two-team for uh, Real Salt Lake, uh, so they are not eligible for Open Cup ever. Uh, they made it to the conference. Uh, quarterfinals in 17 and 18, uh, finishing first and fourth place respectively. And in 2019, they won the USL Cup, even though they finished fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, they played El Paso. They beat El Paso 2-1 uh, in the Western Conference final, and then they played Lou City in the final. I don't remember the score of the final uh, between uh, Real Monarchs and Lou City. Maybe you'll look that up while I'm keep yes. on talking. Um, so then, in 2019, New Mexico United uh, goes one-one and zero against Real Monarchs. Oh, uh, the Real Monarchs won three-one. Okay, so they won three-one. Uh, you know, and here I was back then saying that I thought Lou City was the '93 Bulls that they were going to pull off a three-peat. Um, so then, uh, in 2020. We're playing uh, Real Monarchs on April 25th in New Mexico and then at uh, Zion Bank Stadium 
uh, on July 10th. Uh, the top goal scorers last year for them were Michael Chang and Douglas Martinez, both who have gone up to uh, the first team, league. right? Yes. And uh, the, one of their big signings in the offseason was Joe Gallardo. Uh, Joe Gallardo came from uh, USL1 R- Richmond Kickers. Um, if you look him up, it was uh, notable that uh, there was a transfer fee paid to Richmond Kickers of $7,000 for Joe Gallardo. Um, and that's a, a big amount of money usually paid typically for international talent. So uh, a good amount of money went to the USL1 team. Now, their associated podcast is the Center Circle, and their supporters group is the Wasatch Wasatch Legion. Wasatch Legion. Um, nonetheless, uh, real monarchs. You know, at the end of the day, good people. Um, you know, they definitely brought competition. Uh, they even happened to win the um, Four Corners Cup, which we'll talk a little bit about. In the next episode, when we talk about fan cups that are out in the USL, uh, definitely very interesting, to not the least. Um, but that's just kind of a summary about Real Monarchs and you know what they were able to accomplish. Um, so, just to kind of get towards the end of this this episode, um, I did want to mention that New Mexico is going to be playing a friendly uh, this Saturday in El Paso at an undisclosed location. So it's going to be New Mexico United and El Paso Locomotive and a friendly. Uh, we know that when we talk to Troy, he's not too concerned about what El Paso does. He's more concerned about what New Mexico does, as it should be. Um, but we definitely are hoping that our friends from Seriously Loco get the, uh, the invite and that we can hear a little bit about how our players did uh, in that somehow. I feel like we're going to we're going to hear something from someone. So uh, is there anything else, ladies, that, that I'm forgetting that you wanted to bring up uh, between now and the next time we meet? Uh, besides Locomotive, we also have another two friendlies. And we are playing a friendly on the 23rd of this month against OKC. It is taking place over there in OKC. The Phoenix Rising, it doesn't say anything. It might be a closed-door friendly, but it's the 26th. Okay, so obviously there are some friendlies out there. We know that uh, sometimes uh, the club doesn't publish everything or, you know, they at least got uh, a way about bringing the announcement forward. Um, You know, they know that we're still waiting for the unveiling of the away kit uh, on February 29th. Just want to remind you, hopefully you got your RSVP to the Black and Yellow Bash. If not, I'm sure someone's bound to uh, put it on Facebook Live the minute it comes out. So, uh, and if uh, you're not a season ticket holder, you guys can also go to the Mexico United Day, which is also that day. I believe it's from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they have spots throughout the day. And just make sure you register on time because it'll fill up. Right on. So uh, we hope that uh, you've enjoyed listening to this episode of We Are Seeking Strike podcast. Uh, you know, hold, hold your loved one if you got one. If you got a fur baby, hold that. You know, you have a happy Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next time on We Are Seeking Strike Podcast. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss an episode, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts.
If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.